Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you want muscles, you go to the gym and you need to work on your muscles. If you want to be mentally healthy and fit, you need to work on it. It's not a given right. Your mental health is not just going to appear. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. Thank you for coming back and joining me on this community. It's always good to be with you guys. I'm very, very thankful for your time. I hope wherever you've been and whatever you've been up to, you're staying well. I hope if you've been listening to these podcasts, if you're a regular, you've been able to use some of these takeaways in your own life for the better. If you're the first time listening in today, I hope you get a lot of great takeaways from this episode because that's what this community is all about. Well, it gets me very excited to be able to welcome our next guest onto the podcast today. His name is Ben Steele. He's a fellow actor. He's also a filmmaker behind the acclaimed ABC mental health arts documentary called The Show Must Go On. Now, he spent the last four years speaking to arts and entertainment industry leaders and execs and experts in mental health about the challenges that creatives face in the industry. He's an international actor and filmmaker with over 30 years experience, but he is best known to audiences for his role as Jude Lawson on Home and Away. What I really want to find out about Ben's journey is his lived experience with anxiety and depression and how that all unfolded in his life, how he suppressed how he really felt and basically ended up in a rabbit hole, so to speak. But for anyone who might be interested in becoming an actor or a musician or in the entertainment industry in general, this is an episode you don't want to miss. There's going to be a lot of tips and tricks I want to talk to Ben about, how he's navigated his way through successful audition rooms and also what it's like getting rejection time and time again. But without further ado, let's get Benny Steele onto the podcast. Welcome onto the podcast, Benny Steele, mate. Welcome. G'day, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mate, I'm excited to have you on the show. You're an advocate for what we're doing, but you've got a lot more to offer than the podcast. I can't wait to dive into that today. But before we dive into it all, mate, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your time. I think this podcast is going to be a really good eye-opener for a lot of people, especially in the entertainment space, but also people that are going through a bit of a tough time right now. You'll be able to add a little bit of inspiration, no doubt, mate, a bit of motivation to help people out. But mate, talk to me. Let's rewind. I want to learn more about your backstory, where it all started for you in the entertainment field. From about six, when I was in primary school, I stepped on stage for the first time doing like a little silly poetry reading or something like that. And I just remember from that moment that felt the right place to be and, and it kind of felt normal, felt like home. Everyone in the audience was quiet. Like I had two 
older sisters. So sometimes I felt like my voice wasn't being heard, but I guess on stage it was. So I kind of started from there. And once I discovered that there was this thing that you could do and it was called acting from that moment, I kind of just kept pursuing it and yeah, went off to acting classes and also got an agent and started getting small gigs and stuff. So I always felt lucky that I knew what I wanted to do and that I had a purpose and I was focusing on that. And it was only, I guess, until recently where I kind of had my own kind of mental health struggles and ultimately a bit of an identity crisis that I had to kind of re-look at that and unpack that and think of it a little bit differently now. But I love the way you seem to look at things. A lot of people identify themselves as the actor, but that's not their identity. It's just what they do. And that's something that you believe wholeheartedly in, which I want to unpack too. But you said you were fortunate enough to know your purpose and what you really wanted to do. Was acting something that you got straight away or was it like anything? You had to train a lot. It was frustrating. It was hard. Or was it just something that naturally felt right for you, mate? Yeah, it naturally felt right. And it was fun. As a young kid, I didn't necessarily connect the dots. This is going to be my career. (laughs) But it was as I knew more about it and was starting to get work, I guess it turned into career that way. But initially it was just fun. I just wanted to keep pursuing that because it was fun and enjoyable. And you got to play with creative people that had similar ideas and would kind of go along with you on these adventures that you'd create. Kind of like I always had sport in my life, like it came from a sporting family. And so I guess I kind of jumped into that realm a bit as well, but I never felt as home as I have in a creative kind of tribe. So was it anything to do with the actual feeling that being an actor and being in the moment and being able to be creative and bring your own spin to characters and the moment and that sort of stuff that brought you? What was it that sort of was a driving force behind all that? As a kid, it was just fun. But I think as I delved deeper into being an actor and performance and I guess developing those skills, yeah, kind of transformed. I think also when I was younger as a kid as well, it was maybe more ego based as well. It's like, oh, I want to be famous or I want this or I want what the public perceives an actor's life will be, like lots of money and all that kind of stuff. Once I was on that path of it was my craft and it was my job, then it did kind of transform into more walking in someone else's shoes. I think being an actor, you have huge amounts of empathy for people. You kind of have to unpick other people's lives so that you can understand them and I guess compare their perspectives to your perspectives and how would they handle this situation kind of thing. So it then did become much more, I guess, a bit of an emotional and psychological exploration and growth. And that's where it kind of became a little bit more fun. Yeah, cool. And and I love how you mentioned, you know, as an actor, you've got to have a high level of empathy for you to better understand not only the characters that you're probably trying to play with your creative twist, but also the characters that you're playing alongside of and the other people that you're affecting. Because we can sit here and say it's all smoke and mirrors and it's make-believe and whatnot, but in the moment when you're trying to play a character, there's a lot of pressure on you to really understand who you're playing, why you're making the choices that you're making. You know, as a viewer, we need to believe what we're watching, right? So there's a lot of pressure that goes on the actor too, which I think a lot of people that sit down and watch TV think it's just something that's really easily done. But what do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I think empathy is a really interesting one. I think it's a beautiful quality and trait to have or develop. It kind of adds to the additional pressures that actors do face and can kind of get them in trouble with their mental health and well-being in the sense that we 
do take things quite personally. <laughs> so if you're dealing with rejection or stuff, it can be quite an interesting one to kind of overcome. And when you're pursuing a creative life, like everybody has creativity in them, everyone can be creative. But when I guess you're spending a larger portion of your life pondering these questions and feeling these emotions and living this way, empathy can affect you a lot more. Just everyday stuff like coronavirus or wars or Black Lives Matter protests and things. So it's a beautiful quality to have, but it also can be a hard quality to navigate sometimes. Yeah, well said. And it does come with that double-edged sword. When you feel so much, you don't want to feel sometimes. And you become so used to it that it's hard to turn off and it's not as simple as turning off and on a switch for it to work and not work. And that can potentially maybe explain why people in arts and entertainment or creative pursuits haven't found other ways to switch off that they turn to alcohol and drugs to suppress feelings or to suppress how they're feeling and things like that. So it's not as simple and easy to say, oh, they're just drug addicts. It's how they're dealing with stuff, how to turn their mind off, how to turn their heart off or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it definitely comes down to education and podcasts like this with gentlemen like yourself that can give insight into their experiences goes a long way to making a difference, mate, and educating people from all walks of life. So thanks for that, mate. I appreciate that. And we we talk about your breakthrough role, obviously, on Home and Away. What was your experience going from acting for fun and you're enjoying it to then being cast onto a hit TV show, which was seen by hundreds of thousands of people on the daily? What was that like going from not being recognised to being recognised in a quite a fast pace of time? Yeah, I mean, certainly it's a trip and it does bring up certain kind of ego challenges that you need to look at and go, oh, what does that actually really mean? But I guess for me at that point in my life, I was at a little bit of a crossroads. So I think I was about 25, had been kind of pursuing the acting thing for quite a while. But simultaneously, I'd always kind of had an interest behind the camera. And as soon as I left high school, the way I kind of made my money was working on crews. When the Home and Away kind of opportunity came up, it put me at a bit of a decision, like which way do I go? Because at the time I was working on Moulin Rouge behind the scenes and I was very much wanting to go down the directing path. So the home and away thing kind of brought me back to acting because it presented me with this opportunity. So I kind of weighed it up a little bit in my mind. Did I want to accept? And of course you would accept an opportunity like that because it's full-time acting work. But I did pause for a moment to go, is this the direction I want to kind of head down? So that kind of reinvigorated my passion and purpose down the acting path. Yeah, nice, man. Nice. I want to talk to you about the transition. When you go from something that's full-on, full-time, you've reinvigorated your passion and your purpose and your interest and your enjoyment for acting and then on tv shows like home and away neighbors all these soap operas and tv shows at some stage your character either dies off or your character no longer exists then you're no longer existing in terms of work what's that like for you as a full-time actor where your identity is certainly wrapped up in a full-time job with other people that rely on you and you rely on them what's that like for you and what does that feel like that transition I wasn't under the illusion that it would go on forever, but it definitely hit me hard. You could look at it this way, that it's the first job that I've ever been fired from because, you know, normally on crew or a short time kind of acting gig, that project finishes or that character that you're playing is kind of defined when it's a short guest role or something like that. So it was different that way. And yeah, it was the first and only job that got fired. So it definitely did affect me profoundly and possibly was the starting point of my decline, which took 15 years to explode. But that was probably the catalyst, really, which is reflected in my documentary, The Show Must Go On. 
And a beautiful transition to then let's pick up on the Show Must Go On project and the wonderful work that you've been able to do as a filmmaker. You said that was almost like the tipping point for you, that you went on this exploration journey, maybe a downward spiral. But at some stage, you had to find yourself and unpack why that was the case. And you've done a lot of great work from it, which we're going to talk about now that you look back in that turning point that sort of spiraled you. What was going through your mind, do you think, that led you on this path of destruction? I think for me, one of the biggest things that I had to learn over the last four years on the way to recovery was admitting and being present with what was actually going on. I think it's quite a common thing that people ignore or deny or put their head in the sand with certain issues. So I think it was my way of coping with life all the way through my life. And I certainly at tipping point, as you say, leaving home in a waste, yeah, kind of denied it, didn't admit how I was feeling, didn't admit necessarily that it would have any impact, was, you know, went to move to the UK and kind of rode that wave over there because of the popularity of it over in the UK. And yeah, so I think for me, that was the way that I responded by trying not to respond. <laughs> suppress suppress ignore and i think mate that's a very common way that a lot of people try and implement in their lives not knowing that it can be quite destructive yeah 100 percent. and because i'd done that all my life my ultimate mental health decline was a decline it was just slow it wasn't a trauma or situational based kind of snap mine was very much a slow decline over ultimately my whole life it's good that you've been able to unpack that though and sort of better understand it because it's been able to help you in the way that you've been able to put in the work with the documentary and the other projects that you've been up to and sometimes it's hard if it's just a one-off situation in your life that sort of sets you on this rabbit hole journey but what you're saying is and from what i'm hearing you say is it's been a natural slow burning decline over a number of years yeah and i think it can be quite a common thing as well because we're not really taught by our parents or our teachers how to deal with our emotional and psychological world so the more people that are now coming out and talking about i think that is a big part of the solution to improve the statistics around this if you want muscles you go to the gym and you need to work on your muscles if you want to be mentally healthy and fit you need to work on it it's not a given right your mental health is not just going to appear more often than not, and the statistics show this as well, people will go through some kind of mental health issue in their life. And I think one of the bases is because we don't really talk about this stuff much. We don't really get taught how to do it until we need to know it. And then we go on a journey and learn it and find out how to navigate our world a little bit better. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's where it can be problematic. A lot of people wait till it's almost too late and the ways of getting back can be even more destructive and can take a lot longer And I think that's the importance of all the work that you've been able to do with The Show Must Go On, with creating awareness and education around the entertainment space and mental health and that journey of wellness. And no one's journey of wellness or recovery is ever linear. Could be up, forward, two, three steps, back five, you know, and then forward, one step, back two. And that's just the road to recovery. Yeah, 100%. And it can be difficult to believe that when you are struggling and when you are in the darkest of days. So I just want to kind of acknowledge that for folks that might be listening in a scenario that they are feeling so bad. It can feel like so far down the track. How can I possibly ever get out of here? And the other factor to it is that that down feeling can feel so normal. So to dig yourself out 
is kind of scary because you kind of get used to that being the normal, like Stockholm syndrome, like in a hostage situation, that becomes your new normal. For many people around the world right now, coronavirus and being in lockdown is slowly shifting into becoming the new normal. So coming out of that is going to feel a little bit scary or unfamiliar now. So I just wanted to acknowledge that because you just have to know you can get there and there is help available. Yeah, mate. Well said. And thank you for sharing that. I think that's so very important for us to acknowledge is that it might feel permanent when you're in that state of mind, but understanding and listening to other people's journeys and their stories, although they may be different, there's living proof that with the right help and the right support, that mindset doesn't have to be permanent everyone's on a different path and no one should ever sit here and compare themselves to someone else who might have taken a lot longer to get better and get healthy. It doesn't mean that that's going to be the exact same for you too. And do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Everyone's situation is different. My situation, like I said, was a very slow decline, wasn't necessarily trauma-based and was quite contemporary experience of depression and anxiety as opposed to maybe more severe clinical conditions. I really wholeheartedly believe that there's maybe say 1% of true mental illness. And what a lot of us are going through is just, we haven't been taught these emotional and psychological skills to navigate life. And that's why depression and anxiety are so high. And also things that affect that is, you know, we don't have strong community support like we used to have many years ago where you knew all your neighbors and you had a place within your community. The mental health crisis is linked to those things. So if we really want to address mental health and turn the stats around, they're the big questions. They're the things that we are going to have to address. I agree, mate. I agree. And I think that it does become a society responsibility. I believe it becomes a community responsibility. I think we all play a really significant role in improving the statistics, but improving people's wellness overall and talking about stats the entertainment industry itself i mean twice as many people attempting to take their own life the you know anxiety and depression rates are almost 10 times that of the norm and i think that's important to address because i think from a lot of people you know when you're looking at an actor or you're looking at a singer or a musician whatever it is that looks like they're living a great life and they're successful and it looks really good on the outside you're living proof that although you had some really really good highs in your life it's certainly very easy to get dragged down i'm in the same industry as yourself you know rejection is something that you've got to be able to live at peace with if you're going to be in this industry i believe because rejection is something that you've got to get used to because it's something that happens almost all the time what are your thoughts on that yeah rejection is a really interesting one like i slightly touched on it earlier a lot of creative people take things personally which is great because they can put themselves into their work but one of the pitfalls of not understanding that and how that works for you is that when you are auditioning and going for jobs, when you don't get it, you take it personally. (laughs) So I think just gaining more awareness around that, and it's kind of linked into a similar one, which happens quite a lot for actors that are in shows or going quite well career-wise, is the trolling and the reviews and the critiques. So for me, that can feed that taking it too personally scenario we focus on the one negative review or negative troll comment rather than the thousands of positive ones. Why am I letting that get the better of me? Why am I letting this audition that I didn't get affect me so much? Yes, I think just being aware that you take things so personally and you are in control of how you can react to that. The other part, 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com into auditions is you're going into an audition with all hope that it's going to play out a certain way and quite often for me the money was already spent I was like oh cool I'm going to be able to buy a new car now or get my car fixed or whatever it might be so you're already kind of going in with an expectation and to a degree you kind of have to believe enough that you're going to be able to succeed that way you're going to have to take those risks because quite often as an actor you are emotionally and vulnerably like putting yourself on the line every time you do your job. Which is exhausting in itself. Yeah, 100%. So having a look at what's happening around your expectations of things. So for example, on the show must go on at a certain point, we're trying to get the final bit of financing we needed to get the film in the can, like uh, the post-production and stuff. And so we had many grant applications in and there was this one grant that I expected to go a certain way because it was spot on for what they were after. And then we got a no. I immediately went to feeling really hurt and getting angry and frustrated and kind of questioning what kind of amazing projects have they had because our project's pretty amazing. And then I kind of caught myself in feeling that way and then asked myself, why am I reacting so heavily to this? And then it occurred to me, I was reacting to something that I didn't even have. I was reacting like I already had the money in the bank and then someone took it away from me, (laughs) which wasn't the reality. So that's the same kind of thing that happens with auditions. And I think that's where a lot of the rejection comes from because it feels like someone's taken it away and they haven't. It's just been an opportunity for a bit of fun. It's been a career opportunity. And if you go in it that way, I think rejection, you can handle it a little bit better. And as well as acknowledging for anyone who's in the entertainment industry, who's wanting to be an actor or a musician or whatever it is, it can seem really personal not getting a gig or booking a role, but understanding that 
99% of the time, if you're going for an acting role and you're trying to book it, it's probably not because of the way you've performed. A lot of it's to do with the way you look. It might not be the right height. And that's nothing personal. It's not a vendetta against yourself. It's just something that's really out of your control. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, 100%. You would have, you know, heard people kind of saying, you know, 98% of actors are unemployed or whatever. But the thing is, you believe you are the one or 2%. (laughs) And you kind of need to, in a way, in order to do this crazy thing that we do. But there are alternate ways that can still keep you motivated, can still keep you setting goals and pursuing your dreams and still fill you with passion. It comes down to the way that you're beating yourself up in your head after you don't get the role. So after you've had that expectation, it's been taken away and then, oh, well, I must not be any good. That's the bit that's bad. And again, it's probably easier said than done, but I know for me, like when I'm going for auditions at the moment, what I'm trying to do personally is just solve the person's problem because I put myself in a director's chair or a producer's chair or the casting director's chair and I think, all right, well, if they're making the decision, they're really after someone that can solve their problems. And I deliver what I feel is the best option and the best choices. I give myself the best opportunity. And if they don't like it, I try and distance myself between Sam Webb, the actor, going for the role, and Sam Webb as a human. So I don't invest my self-worth in Sam Webb, the actor, because they're very, very different. That's what's always worked for me in life, whether it be relationships, whether it's for film and TV, whether it's for going for sponsorship roles through living. It's always trying to give your best, know your self-worth. And like you mentioned earlier, Ben, when things don't go your way, you've got to not wrap your whole identity up in that one idea because something else will come. And that works for me. I'm not saying that works for everyone else. And I still get pissed off and upset. I'd be lying if I said I didn't. But it doesn't sit and I don't dwell on it and I don't think I'm not good enough and all that. I have my mechanisms in place and then I'm on to the next one. I almost put the audition script in a little bin and say, that one's done. I'm forgetting about that one now. I'll go forward and I'll listen and I'll learn and I'll take critique if I get criticized or whatever. But I don't let that dictate my life. Yeah, 100%. It's about not denying how you're feeling because it's valid. And that's actually where the growth happens, like whether it's in just one little instant or if it is an ongoing kind of thing. And the great news is that we can learn from that and we can choose our path from that. It's basically our soul giving us an indication that something's going on for us. That's all it is. Just like if there was a pain in your arm, it's physically your body telling you what's going wrong. Your emotions are the emotional world giving you a bit of a pain to kind of go, oh, I don't like that happened to me. (laughs) Like why? Or I don't like that response from that person. So maybe I shouldn't be in a relationship with them or whatever it might be. They're just the internal signposts. So they're not to be feared. They're not to be shoved down in a box or moved over, but they're there to kind of just help guide you through your life. We're often on this misguided pursuit for happiness and everything has to be all positive and good, but you can't actually sustain that. The chemistry of our body doesn't work that way. You know, you have to have the positive and the negative. That's how it works. So the reality of our world is dealing with some of these troubles and some of these pains, but that's exciting. It's not scary. It just means that you can learn and grow. And once you have a little bit of that awareness about why you are feeling that way, rather than getting annoyed from the email that your boss or your colleague has kind of rudely sent to you, 
you can actually choose to respond differently. Oh, mate, I agree wholeheartedly and amen to that. I want to ask now, what did you learn mostly from creating and filming and setting up and producing and getting everything together with The Show Must Go On? Let's talk about this documentary, mate. Tell me what you've learned because I know it was a personal journey for you. You've had your own bout through lived experiences, mental health challenges with depression and anxiety. And what was the pursuit like for you with deciding to get this documentary made yeah so it wasn't too pre-planned had equipment so i had lights i had sound i had cameras so i wasn't kind of held back by i need to get funding to make this and i could set up all the equipment myself so i didn't have to have a crew i could just literally do it myself so i was lucky that way at the beginning i wasn't aware of how bad i was feeling I knew I wasn't feeling great, but I definitely didn't feel that I was that bad. And I just started asking a few people and noticing my colleagues were kind of struggling quite a lot. So then I just wrote up a small little one sheet plan and just sent it out to a few people and just started interviewing people on camera for the record. What about, like, what was the first base? Yeah, just about their mental health and struggles because I was instinctually kind of feeling that there was some pressures and struggles folks in entertainment were going through that weren't being spoken about and they weren't shared. And I guess probably my whole life had also kind of struggled not within the creative community, but in the world to kind of fit in. Like even the coronavirus in Australia right now, it feels like we're fighting for support and help, even though our industry has been like killed essentially. So I guess I've always had that internal fight of where do we fit into the bigger picture? So it came out of that. And then through speaking with people, I was really learning how they were struggling and they shared my struggle. So I started to learn from people how they were coping and navigating the world that I was struggling to navigate. Was it helpful for you? Yeah, 100%. I would not be alive if I did not make this film. Yeah, wow. 100%. Wow. So as far as the impact goes, would it be safe saying that this was a way of you healing? Yeah. By helping others heal. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I think for me as well, growing up, I always turned to my art to let things out and speak, whether it was in a performance or whether it was making stuff. The same thing with The Show Must Go On. I think I just started filming and talking to people. I had a mission that if we could just save one life, it will be worth it. And ultimately, I was the life that got saved. That's incredible. And what do you put that down to? When you say you've saved your life putting this documentary together, speaking to other people in the field. What do you put that down to? What what saved your life? So I think it's definitely support. Like you definitely need support. Uh, people feel like, oh, no, I'll be okay. I can get through this. No, I'm fine. But as uncomfortable as it is to actually say that I need help or I want some help, I really feel like you can't do this alone. And alone doesn't necessarily mean that you need to have a very strong family or friendship circle even the counsellors that are available, whatever the support is, you can't do this alone. You need some support. Definitely what got me through was that support and just facing myself really actually looking at things that I had been denying and not wanting to look at. What was it like for you to actually start to admit it and start accepting it? What did it feel like for you? Yeah, so in the initial stage, it's like scary and you can't see your way out. But the payoff feels amazing. It feels so much better. My God, the amount of energy that you put into denying stuff or creating this alternative reality for you, it's so much easier and lighter this way. (laughs) You know, not just facing things, like getting to know 
what am I feeling right now? Why am I reacting this way? And then unpacking that, resolving it, moving on and growing. I guess as I was kind of transitioning through, there's this really interesting thing that I came across that nobody really talks about too much. And we've touched on it a little bit, but it's just that uncomfortableness of transition. Even if you're going from a negative place into a more positive place, that transition feels really uncomfortable. So why does it feel uncomfortable though? In your way of describing it, why does it feel uncomfortable? Because the depression or the situation that you're in or the marriage or the whatever that is kind of getting you, like that's the normal. Better the devil you know, you kind of- But then you almost start to believe that's your only option. That's how life just probably is for you. Exactly. So if you're transitioning into a healthier mindset, it's kind of unfamiliar. Even if maybe years ago you had that same mindset. So it can almost feel like the wrong way to go. Yeah, it can. It definitely does. It definitely feels the most difficult way to go, getting out. What this podcast said was when you are getting reborn, when you are transitioning, it's uncomfortable. If you come back to this point of, am I heading in the right direction? And you go, yeah, I want to get out of this. Am I going in the right direction? Yes. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. <laughs> then it kind of just validates how you're feeling and what you're going through. So I think just being aware of some of those things makes that journey a little bit easy if you know that you're likely to come across some of those little little speed humps for the people that are listening in the limbo stage of transitioning and they're maybe in a really bad place right now and they want to make a change they're aware they need to make the change but are scared to make the change because it doesn't feel normal and it doesn't feel right through your experiences ben what's your advice to them you just have to face that fear head on don't deny it just face it head on look at it in the face and know within your heart that you can get there. Don't be afraid to reach out and get some support to help you through that. But yeah, you have to face it. Eventually it's gonna catch up. It's gonna force you to go there. So you, you might as well just face it now, you know. I dealt with it when it was, you know, probably getting close to losing my whole life. So I had to come back from that point. Would have been much easier to kind of deal with it as it was occurring. But I don't want people to beat themselves up if they're in a really bad, dark place and go, oh, why didn't I deal with this sooner? Or as you are recovering, one of the things are, oh my God, I made that mistake again. And then you beat yourself up and then that perpetuates the problem further. We're human, we're not perfect. Just keep taking small steps in the right direction. Baby steps and acknowledging that there's gonna be setbacks, there's gonna be things you wish you would have changed, maybe done differently or earlier, but there's no better time than the present. And that's a blessing that you've been able to elaborate on that for our listeners. And even for myself, it's been very eye-opening. Yeah, I'm proud of all the work that you've done and what you've been able to find within yourself through your creative outlets. It's a testament to the person that you are and the work that you put in on yourself. And I think that's important for you to recognize and for you to acknowledge that this stuff that we're talking about right now isn't that easy. And it does take time and it does take a lot of training and a lot of work and a lot of commitment and a lot of sacrifices, but it certainly is the right way to go in terms of your wellness journey, your mental health journey and proofs in the pudding. I'm sure through the show must go on. You've helped a lot of other people too. What's been a big highlight for you? I guess some of the random left of fields, like we got an email from somebody working in the cricket kind of association. So this film impacted people over there and people like within um, medicine or other weird industries. Ultimately, it's a human issue, all this mental health stuff. So the top layer quirks and pressures and challenges 
might be specific to the industry, but as soon as you penetrate beneath that, it stems for a human issue. So I think people really connected with seeing those human issues affecting people that maybe they'd seen on TV or something a part of the entertainment industry. I think they really kind of connected with that. It maybe disarmed people because it was about the entertainment industry. People might not have watched a mental health documentary, you know, about doctors or about military, maybe. But there's a lot of similarities in there and it's all integrated. The top layer, we can peel that back for most people, but once you start digging deep beneath the surface, there's a lot of similarities in terms of where it all starts from. Yeah, 100%. And probably the biggest issues to answer those stats that you revealed earlier about the entertainment industry having disproportionate issues with mental health compared to the general population in Australia is the culmination of some of these pressures that we're facing at the same time. A lot of other people in a lot of other industries, they might have one or two pressures that they're facing from their work, but it's the accumulation of pressures in the entertainment industry that happens. So you might be working overseas away from your friends and family and your support network and dealing with rejection and dealing with substance abuse and dealing with low pay even though you're working overseas. So you're dealing with quite a lot of factors at the same time. So it was accumulation and also that sensitivity that we spoke about with creative people is another compounding thing that happens with folks industry. That explains the stats. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And mate, where can people find the show right now if they want to dial into the show must go on mate where can they find it so if you go to our website the show must go on.com.au and it's available to buy i'll get everything of all these links and whatnot share where can people get in contact with you ben if they want to reach you out and learn more about what you're doing and support the movement and everything else probably insta's the best so i am ben Steele's my uh, handle there perfect mate thank you and what i'll do is i'll disperse all of this relevant information along with the show notes in our facebook group but mate we could speak for days yeah i know Thanks for your time, man, and for all the great work that you're doing in this space as well, brother. We're all just kind of doing our bit, and the more people that are contributing and doing their bit and sharing their story or or helping somebody else, we're eventually going to turn things around and major mental health issues won't be an issue in the future. And I agree with that. I think it's a team effort. I think everyone's playing their part, and even the listeners, even your supporters through the show must go on, yourself, your family, friends. Everyone plays a key role in making a difference and could be a very small part of the chain that gets turned, and I think if we can do it together, Together we can make massive inroads into the mental health and suicide prevention space, mate. But on behalf of myself, on behalf of Livin', I just want to say thank you for all the work that you're doing. Thanks for supporting Livin'. Thanks for all of your help spreading the good word and keep up the great work. Thanks, brother. Take care, everybody. Thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. Please like, share, and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but in the meantime, stay well, keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you and have a top day. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 